0: To episode four of the Big Red Dram. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm your humble host, Jason Langrader, and uh, today's episode is going to be about a particular American bourbon, but I'm not going to go there just yet. The picture gives it away, but I'm not going to tell you until we get to it. So hang tight. Um, I did mention though at the end of the bowmore uh episode that I wanted to talk a little bit about American bourbon, American whiskey. Um, Kentucky bourbon, Tennessee style whiskeys, just whiskey in general that are made here in the U.S. of A. Now, I'm a relative noob to the bourbon area, to the whiskey area. I'm going to call it bourbon because that's really, I'm just, I'm dumb and I'm, I just have bourbon in my head. So, and well, today's episode is about a bourbon, so that's kind of probably part of the reason why it's stuck in my head. Uh, so, no offense to those listening. Uh, I know there's a difference. I know there's differences between you know Tennessee style whiskey, Kentucky bourbon, and mash whiskeys, and all of those. Um, when you're a single malt guy, um, my my journey into American style whiskey uh, was kind of backwards, and for that, it's really more of a product of my upbringing and what I was exposed to as a kid. Now, or in my twenties, but. When I was growing up in the you know late, early mid '90s, being exposed to alcohol, um, it was beer, which wasn't really a whole lot of choices like there is today, and whiskeys, liquor. I mean, pretty much whiskeys in general. I was, I think my my vision really all I really had in my on my radar was yours, Maker's Mark, um, Jim Beam, and. The old standby, Jack Daniels. Now, when I drank whiskey as a kid, it was probably a Jack and Coke. If I was doing shots because someone was bold and decided, hey, let's do a whiskey shot, it was probably Jim Beam or Jack Daniels, and I just couldn't handle it. I didn't really enjoy it at the time. I don't know who does, really, when you're that young. You don't know you're set out in your 20s and decide, you know, hey, whiskey's my go-to. You kind of grow into it a little bit, which is part of the reason I think that bourbon is having... American-style whiskeys in general are having a, a hard time um, certain ones with demand. So, again, I, I kind of came up with those three big ones, and I really kind of went away from that and into something with a little more variety and a little more flavor, and single malts were, I think, I was exposed to. Um, and for whatever reason, I was drawn to it because I liked the complexity of it. Now, single malt scotch being a single wheat barley that's you know fermented, distilled, um, versus the golden triangle of a bourbon, um, which is corn, rye, and wheat, um, it's kind of a different palate, so to speak, but it was a different world to me, and I wasn't really um, prepared for um, those kinds of things, and the whiskey boom really hadn't migrated its way north quite yet so things like Blanton's that started out in the late 80s um, hadn't quite made their way up here things like Buffalo Trace hadn't quite made their way up here because that stuff just wasn't it was I think more just kind of down to Kentucky and into those general regions that was their sweet little secret until you know the world became the United States in general became more hungry for for American style whiskeys so for me, now as I'm journeying into this venture of bourbons really, in particular, um, so now I'll start using the B word, because uh, because bourbons are kind of my focus right now. I'm not really, I kind of started with rise. Templeton comes to mind, and I'll draw a similarity between Templeton and, and some current bourbons now, uh, in regards to how when they first kind of gain in popularity, how they become so hard to come by. Your Blanton's, your Weller's, your uh, Eagle Rares, um, your Happy Van Winkle's, for lack of a better example. Um, some of these other bourbons that are out here that are just, I think, maybe maybe a little overhyped or are just becoming so popular or there's just, just thirst to get a hold of it that it's become difficult to come by. Um, and as a result, those whiskeys are getting um, harder and harder to find. They're getting more and more expensive on a secondary market, um, which was not unlike Templeton when it first came out, which was one of the bigger rye whiskeys not that long ago, maybe a, less than a decade ago, a decade ago? Has it been that long? Um, but when it hit Chicago, you couldn't get it. It was. It, it became popular, um, then it became one of those whiskeys that you had to be limited to one per customer, and then they expanded and then caught up to demand, and now there's Templeton's for everyone. Are we going to see a similarity with bourbon with with some of these uh, big name brands that are having a hard time with supply, your Wellers, your Michters, um the Blantons, the the I think Buffalo Trace is finally catching up. It was hard during the holidays to find it. They've all expanded. They're all there's this big as we said earlier, there's this big whiskey boom, so they're all expanding and reinvesting in their distilleries and you're seeing the same thing across the pond in Scotland distilleries are popping up on isla the first new distillery on island oh, what five decades or longer arden hose has popped up they're building another one that would be the 10th distillery over there um you're seeing it all over the mainland too old mothball distilleries being resurrected from the dead because of this huge demand now for for whiskeys and you know Politics aside, with what's slowing things down right now and causing reduction by 25% on both sides, um, it has enjoyed a few years of of rapid growth. So for me, being a guy that is starting out in bourbons and trying to find some of these amazing bottles is becoming a pain in the ass. It really is. Um, It's become a treasure hunt. And for some people, that's a great thing. And you know what? I kind of had an incident of it not that long ago, um, looking for something. It's just a matter of timing, being in the right place at the right time, asking the right guy. And, oh, hey, by the way, yeah, we've got something. So, um, But what is also a byproduct of this is what we're seeing now, too, is the secondary market just completely taking it to people. I get it. That's part of the, the luck and the joy of striking the lottery and being down in Kentucky when – peppy van winkle you know gets released and you happen to grab yourself a bottle and now all of a sudden you've got a two or three thousand dollar meal ticket it's it's bizarre to me now again from things that i've read on online and some things that i follow some people i follow on instagram and whatnot you know is the hype become such a driving force for these prices i'm sure it has i mean i know i have had um my cousin's husband bought a glass of, um, I think it was Pappy Van Winkle 15 um, at one of the restaurants here in, in Wheaton. And it was a $55 glass. It was a 15 year Pappy Van Winkle. And, you know, for $55, um, my own personal preference or my own personal opinion is that for 55 bucks, my shoes should fly off my feet. If it's, going to be 55 bucks for a glass of, of bourbon or whiskey or scotch or anything. Um, the most I've ever paid was $30 um, for two things. One was for an amazing tequila that I had at a, at a Mexican restaurant for my birthday a couple years ago. It was really good, smooth sipping tequila. Um, again, I'm not a big tequila guy, but I know, I mean, I can tell a good tequila, if it's something I can sip on and I'm not chasing it with a lime and salt, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> like uh, Don Julio 1942, for example, or um, Patron Gold. Those are two that I've also had that are very good. Um, but your McAllen 25, your Mac- or McAllen 30, I've had. Um, I've also been fortunate to have a Talisker 30, which is usually up in that range, if you can find it. Um, a Kalila 30, which I've had, that you, if, if you can find it at a, at a restaurant, it's probably going to be close to that those kinds of those kinds of, of whiskeys those kinds of drinks i will sit and try it and for the thirty dollars or what have you yeah i get it it's an amazingly smooth it's refined it is um, a little dialed back if you will as far as a robust finish but it is it's very refined it's very smooth it's very flavorful it's got a nice finish to it it's a good dram of whiskey the Pappy at 55 bucks. I don't know that I was overly impressed. Um, but part of that is probably my own, um, uneducated, uh, experience with, with, with bourbons in America, with American style whiskeys and bourbon in particular. Um, but again, for the expectation versus, you know, the versus what I pay what well I didn't pay for it he paid for it but still I was he let me have a sip. So and I think I for I recall he wasn't exactly um blown away by it either but for 55 bucks you expect kind of a shoe a shoe removal <laughs> so to speak. Um that and that's not to say that it's bad it's just that I think it's a little overhyped and I think there's plenty of people out there that agree with me and for you know or $3,000 for a bottle of this stuff, um, that's, that's like collector's pricing for a bottle you can't find anymore, and Pappy Van Winkle is stuff that comes out, and granted it's in limited quantities, but it comes out, I believe it's yearly, and, um, it just comes out very small, you have to get there in line, you get into a lottery, and you hope that you can grab yourself a bottle, um but like the, those kind of prices I last time I saw a price like that $2600 was for a 1983 Macallan 18 um, at the whiskey auction in uh, in Scotland online and it was going for 1800 between 1400 and 1800 pounds sterling so that's you know that's a lot um, and Pappy, I mean more power to him I think it's again I think that's just demand driven it's it's hype driven um are there whiskeys out there that are going to be um, as good or better for a lot less? Yeah, I would think so. Um, and that's been my, my conundrum when moving into bourbons has been, um, A, it's been fun to explore because, as I've said before, when you go to a good whiskey place, you go to a good restaurant um, like the Burger Social in Wheaton or may- Maze and Mash in Glen Ellen that has a phenomenal, shameless plug too, I'm sorry, but a phenomenal whiskey list. They just have a great whiskey list and there's not a lot of restaurants in my area here in Wheaton that have that, Um, but it's a three, four page whiskey list. It's great to go and explore something new. So when um, I've had my eye on a few bottles, if I go to these places, you know, for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, it beats paying $80, $90, $100 80 90 $100 for a bottle that I'm not going to be happy with. That's a good way to, you know, get some a little experience with something, enjoy it neat, then add it the rocks or however it is that you prefer your whiskey and um, expand your horizons, expand your knowledge base, and, and maybe expand your collection if that's something that you're into. So um, that's what's leading me to today's bottle. Today's bottle is Blanton's. If you hadn't guessed, it is Blanton's from. Buffalo Trace um I and I'm this all ties together with how I got this bottle because hype versus demand versus all of that Blanton's is a tough bottle to get. Um Blanton's lately has been very difficult. I think the last year or so it's been really hard in the Chicagoland area. I know I've walked into a binnie's probably 12 15 months ago and it would be on the shelf and I'm like, "Oh cool." A grenade looking bottle looks like the holy hand grenade. It's got a cool little horse on top. Eh, 60 bucks. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I I think I'll pass. (laughs) If I only knew now what I knew then. So, lesson learned Um, had some at uh, the local Burger Social, uh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, and I fell in love with it. So, now um, I finally got a bottle. I'm an, I've been enjoying it cause we go there a lot. And for, at the time it was 12 bucks a glass. Great deal. Don't need to buy a new bottle of it. I felt, but now that it's become harder and harder to get, guess what? The price for a glass now is I think eight, seventeen, eighteen $18. Maybe I should try to find one. <laughs> so trying to find one. Yeah. It's, it's like anything you can find it at the local binnies. You can find it, at a lot of the local liquor stores here, but you're subjected to, if it's a small mom and pop shop, you're subjected to their price point. Um, I've seen it as high as $200. Um, some places will charge you 140 $150. they will give you a break if you buy some more liquor around the place. It's like, come on. So this one I did overpay. Um, a cousin of mine, uh, I posted on Facebook, hey, anybody know any way or anywhere I can get a bottle of Blantons? He talk to someone who he knew that had one and it was 90 bucks so about 28 dollars more than you would get it And blanton's i was okay with that um because i know when i went to the distillery there was no chance to get it there was just none they have it for an hour when they get their shipment and by that hour time it is gone um but it was still nice to go there so buffalo trace is a part of the Sorry, Blanton's is a part of a Buffalo Trace Distillery, and it is um, primarily housed in Warehouse H, which is unique because it is a all steel uh, warehouse. It is a multi level warehouse, if I recall. Um, it's not very tall, but that was I. I didn't get it. I didn't get a good look in it. Um, I'm going back in a couple of weeks to actually do a tour there. So I'll know more about it then. And thankfully, Buffalo Trace distillery has more than one bourbon that comes out of that place. but it was uh, the brainchild of it was the brainchild of uh, Colonel Albert B. Blanton, who was the uh, owner of the distillery at the time um, before it was called Buffalo Trace um and then a master distiller in the i think it was in the mid to late 80s i think his name is elmer lee um he was the one that came up with blanton's because he i think grew up and became a master distiller while working under mr blanton uh, colonel blanton um and colonel blanton because of the pomp and circumstance that surrounded um Kentucky and the horse racing at the time and all of those things, he would take these single barrels that he housed in this warehouse. And again, the cool thing about the warehouse being steel is um, is that when he would still these these barrels, these individual barrels and then house them in warehouse H, being a steel warehouse, it would um, cool and heat rapidly through the seasons. And the nice thing about that is is as is it cooled, and heated the bourbon it would expand and contract within the barrel. So as it expanded it would soak into the the oak staves Of the barrels and absorb that that uh, charred number four uh, Oak Oakiness out of those first fill oak barrels that they were used and virgin oak barrels that they was used um, and Just absorb all that flavor so that expansion and contraction really brought out the character of what blanton's is today and then what they would do is is it would be an individual barrel they would bottle it one barrel at a time which is again another unique feature not sometimes you'll get a whole series of barrels from that one particular run and then they'll just dump them all together and then filter it figure it out and then create a bunch of bottles out of that but with blanton's it's all done by hand which is really cool and it's a great video to see on youtube but it's even better to see in person which i hope to do in march um i kind of peered in the um distillery when i was there and let me now that i've given you that little history lesson let me tell you about a little bit about the distillery which is something i didn't do with the bowmore podcast so i'm sorry about that i talked more about the town than the distillery because i didn't really get there but when we visited Buffalo Trace in October of last year uh, with my cousin and her husband uh, after coming back from a memorial, um, I was on the way home, wanted to stop by the distillery, check it out, um, see what it was all about. And, yeah, I was hoping to try to get a bottle of, of Blanton's, But um, didn't happen. That's okay. Um, it was cool to go there because it was huge. It's a huge, huge complex. And that surprised me because... a i'd never seen an american distillery of that size before in kentucky where is um i've just never done it so it was uh not at all what i expected because i was used to the distilleries on isla which were smaller um and i and it was maybe one or two warehouses the ceiling house um and you don't really see the complex itself isn't very large but Blant, or Buffalo Trace was huge. So there's all these warehouses. You get out of your car. You go to the gift shop. You check out the gift shop, which is great. Um, but then we walked around a little bit, and it just had that bourbon smell, which is actually when you nose the Blantons, you kind of outside of the glass, not quite burying your nose in it yet. But just to get those vanilla and caramels that come off of it, that's exactly how the distillery smells. It's amazing, and that's just outside. Um, and I kept joking that the squirrels that are running around are soaked in bourbon, and they're they're probably delicious. So, <laughs> um, I just thought that was hilarious. Um, but it's just a, it's a beautiful distillery. I was really blown away by it, and um, I'm anxious to go back and learn more about it firsthand versus um, stuff you read online and stuff that you you know seeing um, some advertising videos that they have on youtube but we walked past the bottling house for blanton's and just stick your nose in the window and it just smells heavenly um and it it's neat what i like about bourbon and what i like about blanton's in particular but i get that same nose out of a lot of the bourbons it's very calming i'm not sure why that is it just has a familiar calm nose to it um at first these are notes that you get just kind of outside of the glass, as I said, but the cool thing about bourbon that I'm starting to find out more and more is that it's more complex than I gave it credit for. And for a six to eight year old bourbon that Blanton's tends to be, um, it's, it's done very well and it's very consistent. And the cool thing again is that it's a single fill or it's a single dump. So they dump that whole barrel out and then they bottle what comes out of that barrel first, and those barrels aren't necessarily chosen by age, which is kind of neat. They actually ch- choose them um, based on its readiness, so to speak, for lack of a better phrase. So it's if it's getting close, if it's getting to that point where it's ready to bottle, the master distiller there now will compare will, you know, will sample it. All right, has it got the right colors? They're gonna compare it to to previous samples that they've had. Um, from years past make sure it measures up to the same consistency it has the same the same characteristics so that they can continue that consistent line that consistent flavor for year after year and that's interesting because some distilleries eight years (laughs) we're bottling it ten years (laughs) we're bottling it i'm sure there's more to it than that but you know what i mean it's just it's it's a different way that i've been exposed to so for what that's worth, I have not been exposed to each and every distillery's methodology of how they go about um, setting up that particular barrel. So with these first fills, you know these these virgin oak barrels, this is all a new world to me because with single malts, that's a specialty. If it's a single malt from Scotland, you have typically their second fill. From, um, third fill their bourbon barrels or their barrels from the area but they've been used before or um, there's just there's all kinds of things going on over there now so this is a little bit different because i again i'm new to it so i'm not sure what's going on so um sticking my nose in the bottling house getting that smell getting an aroma it was just it, it blew my mind and i really really enjoyed it and the pours whiskey we got when we were down in chattanooga which is where we were for the memorial. You know we got help. We got some healthy pours of Blanton's. We got some others that were really good, and it was a lot of fun to experiment with those. And to get my hands on a bottle of blends was a very happy day for me because of the twelve bottles that I currently own that are bourbons. Um, this one's probably the crown jewel. It's right up there. <clears throat> excuse me with um, my barrel whiskey batch, um, batch three the barrel whiskey is a um, fun bottle that I was looking for because I was trying to find bottles that are in sherry that were finished in sherry or port and that one was one of them and that is right up there is one of my favorite bottles of bourbon but the Blanton's I don't know it's just it's very comforting to me for some reason so the nice thing about Blanton's is you get uh, you get your nose in there and you really... Get you know, I gotta stop pouring these before I start. <laughs> Cause you get to miss you miss the, the cork pop. <laughs> but uh it's but I had to take some pictures of it for this podcast, so I kinda got pigeonholed there. Uh, it's just it has a great nose to it. You get a lot of the vanilla, the the caramel, your typical bourbon notes. Um, but it does does burn its way through the sinus, which is nice. It does let you know it's there, and you really stick your nose in the in the Glencairn glass, give it a little swirl, and it really punches you in the face a little bit. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, ah, uh, that's good stuff. Um, and it has it's a good finish. It's a good palette. It's mild at first. It doesn't blow your head off like some single malts will, but it definitely lets you know it, it's there. You get some cherries. You get some different. You get some different flavors in it when it's um, when you let it sit on the mouth a little bit, swirl around, chew on it a bit. It is a pleasant, pleasant mouth, a pleasant uh, palate feel to it, um, and the finish. Um, I've heard people say that it finishes in as long as they'd like. You know, it it hangs out. It um, the tongue recovers fast, <clears throat> but it manages to stick in stick around in the back of your throat for a while. Warms up the whole body a little bit and really takes you for a nice little journey. And that's what's nice about Blantons is that it's consistent, it's smooth, it's easy drinking meat. Um, if you want to add a cube to it, it's not gonna hurt it a whole lot few drops of water we will open it up a tad Um, at 93 proof it's pretty good for what i'm looking for in a bourbon Um, since i'm still learning what that is this is kind of my um between this and the barrel whiskey that i have the batch 003 this is this is kind of my range this is kind of what i'm looking for flavor wise kind of what i'm looking for finish wise and it's um it's not disappointing it really isn't Is it worth 200 bucks a bottle that people are wanting for it right now? I don't... Look, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on anything unless it's going to be a limited release um, or it's a single malt that I have a big history with. Um, Typically, I'm kind of a budget guy, so I'm not really going out and spending a ton of money on whiskeys. Um, I try to hit them when they come first to the market, um, like your Ardbeck Committee releases, things of that nature try to get them when they're out when they first release because you're going to get them for 120 130 bucks um when i see blanton's now on the shelf back to its regular price i'm going to try to spell out um and if you're not aware that's another little fun thing is the pewter horse that they have on here on top of the cork is a collector's piece they spell out blanton's if you know that you should know that everybody that knows blanton's knows that but if you don't know that it's a neat little thing about it is that the um it spells blantons if you collect them all if you want to save yourself you know six bottles (laughs) you can buy them on ebay too people get them get the corks and we'll sell them to you um but i have an n and a t and i got the t from finishing a bottle at a restaurant nearby here and they said oh you've cleaned us out and i said oh can i have the cork and they're like yeah sure <laughs> so i'm like yeah so i have two corks. so lucky me i've got a teen and n <laughs> it saves me uh 90 bucks right now as it is uh getting another bottle at the point at this point but fun little story and now the other thing about blands is there's three other releases that's something that uh needs to be talked about as well um if you can find them I know you can get them. I can. You can get them online. It's just difficult to find because there is the original, which is what you can get here. There's the gold, which I know is the International Edition. That is one where the horse on top is actually gold instead of the pewter. Um, it's also 103 proof. It's a little more cask strength. It's The bottle's slightly elongated, um, I think. That's what it appears to be anyway. Um, if I recall seeing it in... pictures it does look a little leaner Um, that's those you can get like in Europe uh, I think you can get those at the airport duty freeze Um, there's a couple of websites that I buy my whiskeys from that sell it it's like at 91 pounds sterling when they have it in stock I'd like to get my hands on that because it the couple of podcasts I've done now, I know with I was big on it in Bowmore, with the fifty four point one because it does it does open things up. It does make it um, a little more full bodied. Um, there's a straight from the barrel, um, which is cask proof, which I think is even higher than the um, the gold edition. And then there's the special reserve. Uh, the Special reserve is I think at eighty ABV or eighty proof. Sorry, forty ABV. Um, but those are the four that they bottle and three of those aren't available here so that kind of stinks but are they all going to be pretty similar i think if there was a guy from canada that i was watching on youtube the other day that he really liked the um the special reserve i believe it was over the other three but he also said that the finish on the um Original barrel, single barrel was a little disappointing. So I'm like, eh. <laughs> but that's the fun thing about it, right? It's a discussion. It opens up discussion. Everyone's everyone experiences it differently. Um, and that's why, as I've always said, I love whiskey because it can create those conversations with people. Can uh, you can sit down with a group of buddies. I'll chip in on a bottle of whatever you guys want and sit and talk about it. And um, when I go, I'm planning a little pilgrimage to Louisville here in a couple of weeks with some friends. And that's what I'm planning on doing is maybe doing one or two podcasts with the four of us sitting around the microphone. um, Hopefully, hoping it works, talking about the different bottles we come across. um, And hopefully, we'll be talking about a bottle of Blanton's while we visit uh, Buffalo Trace. So, um, uh, <clears throat> oh, I just took another drink. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm hoping that that works because I only have one microphone and just sit in the middle of the table. Um, hopefully it'll pick up everybody, but yeah, we'd like to have a little, once we have a tour of the distillery and a couple of other distilleries on the bourbon trail there in Louisville, um, kind of have a round table discussion of what we found and what we've had and, I'm looking forward to that, because that's kind of what this podcast is all about, is discussion about everybody's interpretation of the, of whiskey, and um, I'm looking forward to doing that, because I want to get their opinions on it, and I want to get, uh, you know, some more educational, I'm down there, and really kind of drill into what it is that makes bourbon so special, so... Thank you again for uh, tuning in. I know this episode is a little longer than the rest of them. Um, It's a fun topic to talk about. Again, it's new for me, so expect a little more of this kind of format. Hopefully, it's a little better because you got a little history of the actual distillery. I talked a little bit about it for a change. Um, I could talk a little bit about Frankfurt. Um, If you get down to to Buffalo Trace, go into town. There's a couple of nice restaurants um, down there that you can get a nice lunch at. Um, they have great whiskey lists, great cocktails, great beers, great drinks, um, great food. Do it. It's, it's worth the trip. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this Blanton's is, is delicious. Um, and, uh, I highly recommend that if you're a bourbon person, you're out collecting bourbon whiskeys, whiskeys of any kind, really. But if you're out looking for bourbons, I hope Buffalo or yeah, Bull Buffalo Trace, really anything that they make, I hope something from there is on your shelf, and most importantly, I hope that Blanton's is something that you have circled or already have on your shelf. Um, one other quick note, <laughs> just seeing some people on Instagram, again, I'm on uh, the big red dram, the big the underscore big underscore red underscore dram. Um, I think you'll just find me typing in the big red dram, but there's a bunch of Burman hunters and things that I follow that are following me that... Uh, these guys have just got walls of blends, <laughs> man, it's ridiculous, uh, I'm so late to the game, but it's a similar to, I mean, again, it's, it's like anything else, it's like, it's like single malt scotch, I'm just late to it, so I, this is all new to me, um, but I want to talk about the, um, the bourbons today, because, <clears throat> take a break from the single malts for a second, because I'm starting to to work on my collection and I wanted to to talk about just the the bourbon hunting aspect of it and what I that how I wasn't really prepared for that um but it's fun it's engaging and and it is it's a thrill when you actually show up at the right time at the right place and they have what you're looking for and it's at the retail price not three times as expensive and it's a wonderful feeling but uh anyway I digress that we'll cover more about those as we move on um, we've got 70 bottles to get through. We've done three, so we've got 67 to go. Uh, thank you again for listening. I appreciate that you came, uh, that you gave me the time tonight uh, or whenever it is that you're listening to this, um, but yeah, go out there, try to find what you can find, and, uh, and let me know on the Big Red Dram and uh, soon to be hopefully a website and a Facebook page and maybe even a Twitter page as I uh, try to become a uh, conglomerate here and uh, hopefully uh, educate some people and, you know, try to make it fun along the way. So thank you again and go out there and enjoy whiskey one gram at a time.